Today I'm calling this word, Philip baptizes the eunuch. And this is in Acts chapter 8. We were in Acts chapter 8 last week and we're continuing today from verse 26. And this concerns Philip's ministry in Samaria, the account of all the people there receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. That was continuing to unfold in a powerful way. But then Philip is spoken to by an angel to travel south. And we'll read this in verse 26. The angel of the Lord then spoke to Philip and told him to travel south on the road that goes from Jerusalem down to the desert region of Gaza. When he got there, he saw an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, who was a high official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, and who managed her treasury. He had been to Jerusalem to worship, and he was sitting in his chariot on his way home reading Isaiah the prophet. We get to verse 29, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and join that man sitting in the chariot. Philip went directly to the man and heard him reading out loud from the book of Isaiah and he asked him if he understood what it was that he was reading. The man said, the only way I can understand this is if somebody explains it to me. He asked Philip to come up and sit next to him. The passage of scripture that he was reading was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. That's Isaiah 53 verse 7 and the couple of verses that follow. So reading on in Acts the eunuch said to Philip, who is Isaiah speaking about here? Is it himself or some other man? Philip began to share with the man from that very passage of scripture that it was Jesus who was being spoken about and he preached about Jesus to him. As they continued to travel, they came to a watering place and the eunuch said to Philip, here is some water. What is stopping me from being baptised? Philip replied, If you believe with all your heart, nothing is stopping you. The eunuch said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Then he commanded the drivers to stop the chariot. And he and Philip went down into the water together and Philip baptised him. Reading on, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away to Azotus, it's about 60 kilometres, it's a short flight, and he vanished from the sight of the eunuch who resumed his journey, rejoicing all the way. And that was the journey of the rest of his life. Philip then passed through the area of Azotus, preaching in all the cities there, till he arrived at Caesarea. This Ethiopian man, he was obviously a man who'd converted to Judaism and had been visiting Jerusalem for the Jewish feast, where he would have heard about Jesus. 
and quite coincidentally he's reading these scriptures and he comes to Isaiah 53. God has a way of bringing these things about as we notice. Now, he must have had a seeking heart and God arranged for the truth of the gospel to be brought to him through Philip. And so Philip was given by the Spirit the words to say to the man, explaining the scriptures that they were talking of Jesus as the promised Messiah. Now he must have explained to the man the truth of water baptism as being a, a picture of his old life being buried with Jesus into death and then rising into new life in Christ because the Ethiopian had asked to be baptised. And Isaiah doesn't talk about that, but Philip would have talked about it. And he was then fully immersed in water, as it states that they went down into the water and came up out of the water. There's no talk of any follow-up after the man's conversion. So Philip would have had to commit the Ethiopian into the Lord's hands for his future growth in his walk with the Lord. But it is a known fact that Ethiopia became Christianized very early in the history of the church. So it appears that Philip's ministry was very effective. And the message of water baptism that Philip would have had to teach him would have been enough to allow that man to walk in the freedom of the exchanged life of Jesus within him. Philip was sent by the Holy Spirit. He preached the gospel and the man was baptised and able to have a picture of his identification with Jesus, dying with him, being buried and being risen with him into new life. And he lived with that, that picture, that moment. So the beautiful outcome of the experience of salvation and revelation that came to the eunuch on that road has another most likely and astounding outcome. As the eunuch would have continued to read Isaiah from chapter 53 onwards. Now I'm assuming that this man who had read Isaiah 53 had been reading the book. He would have opened up or God would have opened up that chapter to him. And I'm presuming that he was really looking forward to seeing what else was there. 54 is a great chapter, so is 55. But can you imagine what he would have thought when he came to Isaiah 56? Let me read it to you. Verse 3. And my blessings are for Gentiles too when they accept the Lord. Don't let them think that I'll overlook them. And this is for the eunuchs too. They will be as much mine as anyone. For I say this to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths holy, who choose the things that please me and obey my laws, I will give them in my house, within my walls, a name far greater than the honour they would receive from having sons and daughters. 
For the name that I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. Can you imagine the man's heart melting at that? goes on, as for the Gentiles, the outsiders who join the people of the Lord and serve him and love his name, who are his servants and don't desecrate the Sabbath and have accepted his covenant and promises, I will bring them also to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and make them full of joy within my house of prayer. I'll accept their sacrifices and offerings for my temple shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the Lord God who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too, besides my people Israel. What a unique passage of scripture. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he had the disciples around and he gathered them and spoke to them. And his last words included the following command about doing all the things he told them to do emphasizing being baptized and we can see this being done throughout the book of acts let's remember what jesus said i'll read that passage from matthew chapter 28 verse 19 therefore go and make disciples in all the nations baptizing them into the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, that I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Philip would have faithfully obeyed that command of Jesus and explained to the Ethiopian the picture of water baptism as being buried into the death of Jesus by being submerged into the water and rising up with Jesus in newness of life when coming up out of the water. And that was his from then on. But it's Paul who brilliantly describes to us the essence of this life-changing act of faith. That's what baptism is. For people who have believed and want to mark that moment as it were, tattoo it into their heart. This is my act of faith, of commitment, of sharing the life of Jesus now, a newness of life. And he speaks to the Romans about how God's grace and goodness outweighs all the sin and unbelief in the world because the new life of Jesus that lives within us is available to all those who believe in that and commit to living it out. Paul had to face the people in Rome with the reality. They lived in a crooked and perverse generation, a world that was overcome with unbelief and sin. And he wanted them to know that they could live above that. And so he says things like, where the sin abounds, grace does much more abound. In other words, it will always outweigh that. But then when he, he gets into chapter 6, he has to make sure they understood exactly what he means. And he said, in verse 1, But does this mean that because God's goodness outweighs our badness so much that we should stay bad so that more of God's goodness can be seen? Definitely not. 
How can we, who want the old sin and unbelief life to die off, also want to keep it alive at the same time? As many of us as were baptised, and I'm putting in brackets here, submerged and soaked. The word baptised means it's a cloth soaked in water, <laughs> or in dye, actually. It was, that was where the word came from, baptizo. As many of us as were submerged and soaked into the life of Jesus and identified with his life are first immersed and soaked into his death and soaked in what his death means. It means that we were buried with him when we were immersed as one with him in his death. So that just as he was raised into new life by the power of the Father, we will also be soaked with the power of his new life. Immersed in it. For if we have shared the death with him, we'll also share the risen life with him. Be aware of this, that the entire previous order of humanity in Adam has been crucified with Christ. So that humanity's alliance with sin and unbelief might be made redundant, catagio, not needed anymore. It's not operating. Well, it doesn't have to operate. It's redundant. You've got something better, another operating system. It goes on to say in that verse, and that from now on we don't have to serve in that old alliance of humanity in Adam. See yourselves as being dead as Jesus was to the world of sin and unbelief, but alive and living for and with and in God through what Jesus has done on our behalf. Talking about sin here and unbelief, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be sent into the world to convict the world of sin because of their unbelief. Sin Hamartia means to miss the mark. So, to convict the world of sin means to reveal to the heart of everyone what is causing them to miss the mark of the target for their life, believing in Jesus and letting his life live within them. Somehow Philip would have been able to get that Ethiopian man to understand that he had a new life. He could aim for the target for his life. The big sin is unbelief. Reading on in verse 12 in Romans 6. Sin and unbelief are no longer in control of you because you are not answerable to the penalties and judgments of the commandments. But you are answerable to the empowerment of God's goodness and grace. And being set free from sin and unbelief's hold over you, you have become the servants of godly well-doing. So now you can give yourselves over to a life of integrity and devotion to demonstrating the goodness of God. That's water baptism. It's something to bring to mind from time to time. 
I am going to bring that to remembrance, what that meant to me then and what it means to me every day of my life. An engagement with a new life coming up out of unbelief. Go away, unbelief. I'm now believing. Thank you for your grace that I can hit the mark of devotion and following you and live that out, demonstrate that goodness of God. So the Ethiopian eunuch, looking at his life now, on into when he got home, he would have been a competent man, a high status in the royal courts of Ethiopia. But then when you think of himself thinking of his new life and comparing it to what he might have thought of himself, what would have been his thoughts of himself? Most likely he would always have felt deprived of privileges, like having a family, that other, less prestigious individuals would have enjoyed. But, assuming he read the astounding words of Isaiah that revealed the unique graciousness of God to him, that he'd be given a new name. He'd be blessed more than those that had sons and daughters. He would have been lifted into a realm of faith and grace to be able to love and bless all the people of his world back home in Ethiopia. He had no one to disciple him except for the Holy Spirit who would have taken him into the endless depths of the work of transformation that began when he arose out of the waters of baptism into a new life in Christ. He was now empowered to give himself over to a life of godly wisdom and devotion in demonstrating the goodness of God to all he knew and all those that he influenced in his world. A mighty work was done on that day. We just say thank you, Lord, and amen for our water baptism. And let's remember our new life in Christ.